Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I'm speaking to you today about renewal and revival in a word about change. How do we deal with and change the systemic things that are wrong, that have been baked into the cement and the paint of how we are? I have chosen a passage from the prophecy of Ezekiel, a story called the Valley of Dry Bones. It is a story addressed to Israel in its Babylonian captivity. Its national institutions had been destroyed. Its temple was burnt to the ground and with it, its religion, its political leadership deposed and were serving at the table of the emperor and its people were uprooted and exiled. All their hope was gone. The prophet depicts the nation as a valley of dry bones, long dead without any possible hope. The prophet is asked, son of man, can these bones live? It is important to note that one of the lessons that has emerged from the COVID pandemic, both in Jamaica and elsewhere, is that the church is not an essential service. In fact, there are good reasons to believe that holding church in the traditional form is a public health risk. Funerals are not permitted and weddings also. So are baptism and holy communion. Choir is on long and protracted holidays. In fact, when I attend some of the online services in which it is streamed for the benefit of an online audience and I'm returning home, I feel often like Israel did after Haggai had built or refurbished the Jewish temple. They wept when they saw the building and remembered the glory of the former temple. The refurbished temple looked like a pale copy of the original temple. I pointed to other things that have been ill-affected by the pandemic affected by the pandemic where church is concerned. The first is where worship is concerned. There was an idea that worship was a vibe session and so much of what we did was about the look and the sound and the manufactured response, the feel. The virtual platforms have rendered the look and sound and feel worship obsolete. You can put in a, a CD or go to YouTube and manufacture a crowd. You do not need real face-to-face -face people. I know that one of the casualties of the current pandemic is going to be the mega church with its stadium-like parking lots. Church has to be more than a crowd puller and a money spinner. It has to do more than merely entertain people for a while. 
this has been the consequence of the COVID and it is the death of that church that we are acknowledging. The other thing has to do with the message of the church. It is clear that none of us saw this coming. We did not look down the pike and see that a pandemic, not a war of violence, that could disrupt the world and bring things to a halt. That people could have passports and visas and plane fare and cannot travel and cannot attend even the funeral of their loved ones. That people have cars and can travel, but they are on lockdown, or as the song says, the body on lockdown. Through the pandemic, we have seen Armageddon. We have seen the almighty and powerful brought to their knees in a matter of months. We have had very little to say to offer our people advice on the way forward. We cannot see the end in sight and we cannot imagine what the end will look like if the end of the pandemic ever comes. How did we get here where people are being left disappointed without a message to help them face the rough side of the mountain and to find their way through the wilderness? That is because the church has become an excuse for preachers to ride their hobby horses and get on their pet peeves rather than confronting the lived reality of the people and speaking truth to power or grappling with the fundamental inequities in the world. So we, like Israel, are parched and dry without hope. We don't even have the tears anymore. We are asking, can these bones live? We are living in the periphery and at the discretion of empire. This calls on us to ask ourselves what happened and how can we find the way forward. Ezekiel says it happened to Israel because of backsliding and idolatry. I would like to put the diagnosis of Israel and ourselves in the words of two phrases from a book I am now reading titled Falling Upwards by Father Richard Rohr. The first is a lesson about what transformation is. The answer is that transformation is not so much about learning new things as it is about unlearning old things. Israel ended up in captivity because it refused to change and it refused to change course. It had abjurately and stubbornly committed itself to a course of action and no warning or lesson got it to alter the course of its conduct. In the history of the people of God, leadership used to be selected on a basis of their spirituality, not their middle-class life and their business acumen. For a long time since, the church has been a power grab where its decision-making and ministry focus are concerned. It has chosen instead of following the thrust of the spirit and instead of making decisions, but instead are making decisions in favor of the accumulation and acquisition of property. We have, to put, we have put materialism front and center of our processes and values. The steady march into decline and into limited effectiveness have brought have 
brought to this place in the pandemic where there is no life and there is no discernment amongst us. The way forward is unlearning and changing, adapting things to the principles of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to unlearn how we set priorities and focus attention. A friend and I were discussing this matter of putting people at the center of our national equation. And he told me a story from his own experience. He said that he had been the manager of a large 807 export factory in the 1980s. He had 650 employees and they produced 50,000 dozen pantyhoses for export weekly. He had set a standard that the benefits provided to the Jamaican workers should be no less and no different from those enjoyed by sister factories in the USA. Time came, he said, to air condition the Jamaican factory building. He found that he could not make the case to his shareholders on the basis of worker productivity. Obviously, air conditioning would make it easier for workers to remain productive for longer hours. That, however, was not sufficiently convincing to his shareholders, nor was the importance, nor was it important enough to them that it would provide a healthier work environment for the employees themselves. What he said convinced the shareholders to fork out the millions of dollars to air condition the building was the discovery that the dust through the windows was affecting the yarn that was used to produce the pantyhose. These bones can live if we change and change course so that our people are made to feel valued. The other quotation from the book that I want to use to say what went wrong is, too many people spend their lives climbing up the ladder of success only to find out that the ladder was leaning on the wrong wall. That is to say, what they spent their lives on never brought them success or worse than that they spent their whole lives seeking after success and then they achieved it and it turns out not to have been worth it and worse it turned out to be their worst nightmare exile was what israel was seeking it wanted to be like the nations around them and at long last, it ended up being so completely absorbed in them, so indistinguishable from them. Everything that made them into themselves, the very things they poured scorn on, but that was what separated and distinguished them from others. All of that was now gone. So with the time remaining, I would like to imagine with you the change and renewal, the revival we are seeking, and the key ingredients to get it. Word and spirit are what the prophet identified. 
The first thing to be said about word and spirit is that these are the two agents of creation and redemption. Whatever else we do, we have to find a way of tapping into God's creative and redemptive energy. We have to obey them and be subject to them and allow ourselves to be led by them. The biblical account of creation of human beginnings is an account of the role played by word and spirit in the creation of the world. We can bury ourselves in the status quo of things as they are and as we know them to be so that we are blinded by the ultimate source of God's wisdom and God's creative energy. Let us agree that there are other forces and other sources than our might and intellect, and that we need to be open to these sources and these forces, to be guided by them and to be governed by them. Ezekiel admitted that the problem was beyond his own judgment and insight. He says, you, sovereign Lord, alone know. And with that, he listened to the divine instructions, speaks to the bones, and he commanded the bones to live. Secondly, word and spirit are part of every new beginning in the redemptive history and in the history of mankind. We get too invested in things as they are. And in the present, we have our favorites, we have our sentiments, and we have our connected parties. We do not know how to break away and to break out and to cross new frontiers and to venture into the unknown. The spirit is a spirit of courage, of daring, of trusting what we cannot see. It was the thing that marked out our foremothers and forefathers, whether it was the wind rush that went to rebuild England after the Second World War, or the farm worker who ran off, or people who trusted the promptings and proddings of the spirit. It was the way. So many people took a risk and created a future for their family and their country. My mother came to my graduation in 1985 in the USA and never returned. There is a venture and adventure, a courage and imagination, an indomitability and free-spiritedness that made movements like our own that we need to recapture. It is the template that is being evoked by the prophet who commands the dry bones to live and prophesies to the wind. Thirdly, word and spirit are about tapping into and unleashing God's supernatural power to break into our midst and into our lives so that the extraordinary become accessible and the unimaginable and the impossible become within the grasp and the reach of God's people. God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Let me leave three tasks that are part of the renewal and revival of the church. 
The first is that the church should once again become a community of the word. God's people should hear the word of God, not pep talk, not family stories, but a thoroughgoing engagement with the word of God. Never has the church been so captured and captivated, so full of gullible and bigoted people. The cure is the word of God. They must read and study, meditate on it day and night, and it should frame how they speak and how they think. The second is to develop a circularity of discourse arising from the equality among its constituents. The spirit is a unifier. He makes us one. We have to break down the hierarchy in the church. Some people come to church not to hear the word of God or to fellowship with believers, but to rule and run things. The church is their power base. It is their fiefdom. So often in this society, the church seeks to leverage its numbers as if it wants to lead by force rather than force of argument and the power of its example. The church started out being a set of people who own things in common being a share and having a share we need to recreate a circle of citizens who live simple and honest lives and that is our real power the third thing to recover is the pioneering spirit the church is not for its members it is for the world for new people for new places for new purposes some of the new people new places and new purpose are in precisely the places that the church does not want to go in those unorganized communities on gully banks those tenant yards those gang infested communities we must pioneer there make our mark there this is how Judah and Ephraim will be joined as one. This is how the bones will join mm. to bone and put on sinews and flesh. This is how God's breath will be in them. The future is for the word of God taking root in the lives of church people. In basic ecclesial communities, living simply and honestly, in recovering the pioneering spirit in the world in which the world is our oyster and we take each other along with us amen